0: Welcome to the City Church Podcast. We hope that you will be abundantly blessed by this message. If you would like to find out more about the city, please log on to our website, www.thecity.sg. You know, I, I know today we're talking about prayer and it's like, you have to understand prayer is really, is real. it's not just a few things people who are gifted to do, it is a privilege that God has purchased on the cross for you to talk to Him. He made the way open so you can come in to have conversations with Him, to make prayers, to talk to Him. In fact, it is more than just about that act of the thing that you are doing. It is about an invitation to His heart to have conversations. This is the thing that why we do relationships, we talk to know one another. And I think this is what God is looking for. When He died on that cross, he is desiring all men to be a priest. And the purpose of a priest is to stand before God and begin to gaze and look at Him and talk to Him. And it is a privilege that all of us can do to partner with Him in, in a place of intercession. In fact, I like to say this to some of the young people. I say intercession is a good quote. Intercession is an invitation to intimacy. When if we are here, if we are about growing in our relationship with God, I want to encourage all of us in this room, you know, it's not a a gift that you give to only a... God give a gift to a handful of people that is so close to God that it can always be agony, crying, you know, a few people in that room doing their stuff. But it's really a corporate invitation for the church, the body of Christ, the bride, to come into this place where we can commune, Not just individually, but corporately engaging the heart of God for Him to reveal Himself to us corporately. So I just want to tear that label out i just want to say that i am doing it because i choose to say yes and because i am responding to the invitation of god and i believe this morning even as we talk about sustaining a culture of prayer i pray that you will you as well will respond to the invitation of god by putting yourself there and says, god what are you thinking and what are you feeling i'm here to engage you with your with your heart through the place of prayer in the place of prayer be it individually or corporately this is a privilege, it's not an entitlement, it's not a gift or a handful, it is a privilege for all men, especially those who have been redeemed by the blood. So I just want to just put it there, and you know what, I, I just want, I pray that these little things that we do, that, we, that we, I'm going to talk about, will give you some handles and tools. In fact, for Burning Hearts, we have been doing this for five years, and I think, the re, the, I think one of the reasons why we could sustain ourselves for the past five years to create an environment is because we have a certain root system a certain paradigm, a certain way of looking at prayer. And today, I just hope that I can do something to help to shift your understanding and your paradigm when you think about prayer. I pray that your paradigm of prayer will no longer just see a few quite senior people with pressure, shofar, flex, go to a room and do that. I want you to know right now in Burning Hearts or in this room every Wednesday night, you will see young people opening up their Bibles and making intercession because they really want to know what's in the heart of God. And I believe with all of my heart, this is His invitation for us. And so today, I just want to talk about sustaining, sustaining a culture of prayer. And before we can even have a culture of prayer, we all individually have to value prayer. Because a culture is made up by shared values. So imagine in this room, you know, it's not just a Jason Troy or a Constance, but imagine all 150 and 80 of us in this room, we value prayer much, so much that when people walk in, they will see a church that's a praying church. It's more than just a church that we come and do services, but a church that learns to engage in the heart, with the heart of God through the place of prayer. And there's three things that I want, to, I want to give to you this morning to help you understand, to give you understanding so that you can sustain this value and also the culture of prayer, corporate value individually and corporately, uh, to have a, to set a culture in this church. The first thing that I really want to talk about is that in order for us to understand to sustain the culture of prayer, we have to understand the different paradigms of prayer. I I'm going to break this down for you, and some of you are going to laugh at me because you're, it's a it's a personal. Uh, joke because Daniel Lim always talk about this and we always take photo of him doing this because he's talking about these three paradigms of prayer is about the external, <laughs> internal and eternal. All right, I, I just, I want you to know that there is a, par- there's a multiple level of prayer that we, when we engage with God, it's not, most of the time we face things, we look at prayer as like, God, I shop or rather, God, I ask you, I want to see it happen right now, externally. So we have three different paradigms of prayer. I'm just going to put them out and they all intertwines together. So I'm just going to break them down for you. So most of us, when we look at prayer, we always look at prayer through the very external lens. We pray, we want to see answers. Yes? That's why we pray. We pray, we want to see things happen, we want to see breakthroughs, we want to see revival, we want to see healing, we want to see signs and wonders. So we, this, uh, this paradigm of prayer is most of us are very attuned to because it's something that is ingrained in our hearts, in our mind, that when we pray, God will answer us. Yes, it's true. But this is only one paradigm. I just want to give you a few stories that's in the Bible that looks like, that, 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 that facilitated this paradigm. If you turn to me with Acts chapter 12, it's about the story of Peter being imprisoned and how he got set free. And this is a time when the church was actually going through a very difficult season. They were being persecuted. And James, the apostle, the brother, of, uh, the brother of Jesus, just got executed. And then the next thing they did was to arrest Peter. And he put him in jail and waiting to execute him next. So the, at the point of persecution, the church was in a place where they, know, they knew that they one of their beloved apostles, one of the corners, one of the, one of the uh, main pillars of the church, was being captured. And this is what it says in verse uh, in verse 4, and it says, And when he had seized him, Acts chapter 12 verse 4, And when he had seized him, he put, him, he put Peter in, pre- in prison, delivering him over to four squads of soldiers. That's a lot <laughs> to guard him for one man. Four squads of soldiers to just bring one man to. They must be thinking this man must be very powerful. And intending to like, bring him out after the Passover to the people. And so Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. So in the midst of that tension, when their beloved apostles in jail, if you begin to read down the story, the church, the church basically gather and they keep praying. They pray, 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 pray. And all of a sudden, you see story, the story begin to continue on when an angel came to let loose Peter and the jail door opened and he managed to run out of the prison door and he run, 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 run into the house of Mary and the church is still praying. They're still praying for the apostles to be released. They pray, pray, pray. And then Paul Peter knocked on the door and said, hey, I'm back, I'm out. And then one of the guy, one of the girls went out, looked at the door, and he, ah, he saw a shock because he thought it was a ghost. Just read the story. So, in despite of the fact that they were praying for the release of the apostle, they don't really believe that he's being released. They thought, oh, it's his angel. But you know what? Sometimes this is what happens in prayer, right? We pray, 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 God, we believe this is going to happen, that is going to happen. And sometimes we really do not know what is happening. In fact, we don't even believe in our prayers. We just pray because it just sounds good. Maybe to them it's like, oh, because they are so, they are so oppressed and they are so, uh, in, they are in a state where they are feeling so pressured and resisted by what is happening around. They just want their beloved apostle to come. And then when the apostle came, they just kind of like, man, it's a ghost. But God nevertheless still answers his prayer. God still answers the prayer of the church as they begin to come to a place and they make petition and begin to make intercession to see breakthroughs. God still answers. You see, this this is my root system. Whenever I come before God to pray for something, I pray to win. I don't pray, I don't pray don't, oh God, please, la, please, la. and then thinking that nothing is, going to happen, nothing is going to happen. Because I choose to believe when I begin to ask God for something, whether I know it or not, or see it or not, someone at somewhere at some point is being affected. Amen. I choose to believe that because I have prayed, someone out there whom I will never meet is going to encounter God, or experience Jesus, or have a dream of Him because of my prayer I choose to believe because I'm here to pray to win if Jesus said if you ask anything in my name (laughs) I would do it so the, the, the thing is this if you have this paradigm that you know that when you pray something out there happens you will pray the only reason why we stop praying is because we don't feel anything is happening some of these guys there for the past how many months? One year. Sometimes when they're in their room, they pray, they feel like maybe nothing is happening. What? Nobody knows. Nobody knows what actually transpired in the Spirit because we can't see it. But if you begin to put on that paradigm that you know that when you pray, you pray, you come to a place to pray and you know that you are going to win, you will pray. Whether you see it or not, trust God that your prayers is affecting someone and that will sustain you in a place to pray, and you will not stop praying. Yes? Sound doctrine? In fact, you know, the offering thing, I just want to bring out, I wanted to say it, but my brother stole the show. No, I'm just joking. In fact, I want to go and talk about that a little bit. You know, as we were collecting the offering you know, we were to be really honest. It makes a lot of sense that the offering was about that amount because the first night was only like about seven k with the amount same size of people in the room. So for it to jump for about four to five thousand, to whereas Daniel began begin to ask for, an, a, a collection for specific people that is being persecuted, and people begin to give. So it's to us, it's like okay, this is a bit compelling, right? Five more thousand dollars, it makes sense. But I, I, I mean, for five people to calculate it and, to, and and unless the five people really, really you know, cannot count, <laughs> I don't think so. I know that it was a little bit urgent because at a point of time there were at the end of the service, and it was very late when we collected the offering. But when I went, but I choose, but when we, I went to the bank, the, the lady who just tear open that envelope and they was looking and said, "This is weird. Like the number of 50 dollars notes is already x far exceed like 11,000." So as I was, so I, I found that, oh man, it multiplied. It might be a miracle or maybe really someone make a mistake. So, so I, I, I went back, I, I spoke to Daniel and uh, Daniel Lim, and we, we, we processed a little bit. And then he said this to me, he says, Jason, because when he said, when I was preaching, I felt compelled to ask to call a call for a collection because I felt a stirring. Mm. And he said this, I think this is a sign that God is actually answering someone's, someone else's prayer somewhere, that causes a stirring in my heart to ask for a collection. And when I collected, God actually do, did the miraculous. And He's trying to point to us to to catch our attention that He's actually feel He's actually feeling His heart for this specific group of people. He's saying that my attention is on this. Well, I heard their prayers, and I'm getting you to call for it, though you may not know what is it for. You don't know where it came from, but you felt a stirring. And this is what happened in prayer. Sometimes you will feel this unusual stirring and grace. Perhaps someone is praying for you, yeah. or perhaps someone else's prayer is affecting you. Yeah. Yeah. So you never know. We pray to win, yeah. church. When we come together and we stand in this place corporately to pray, let's carry this mentality. We are pray. We are here to pray to win. Someone is being affected and transformed because we pray. Amen. The second paradigm is an internal reality. You see, we, we focus a lot on like, man, we ask for prayer. Sometimes it's like a shopping list: God, I need this, need this, need this. do this, do this, do this. But not knowing that actually prayer also affects something that's within. Yeah. It actually forms. It actually forms you. Yeah. Yeah. I always tell young people this. I I I think my life is shaped by the prayers that I make. I realized that who I am today is because of the prayers that I made when I was a 15-year-old boy. But I said, God, I want to be used by you. I want to go missions. God, I want to, you know, serve you with my heart. God, I want to preach the gospel. I want to, I think the prayers that I make in, my, in the days of my youth has pretty much shaped the way that I am today. And with whatever that is happening right now in the prayer room where I got to learn how to pray scriptures, guess what? I'm shaped by the words that I'm praying. I let the word of God form me and shapes me. In fact, there's a there is a there is a, um, a passage of scripture that I want to back it up with in Acts chapter four. If you remember the story of the church, I know they were again Peter and John were going around preaching the gospel, and then all of a sudden the authority says you cannot stop. Pre- you cannot use that name anymore. Stop using that name. Then of course they continue to keep preaching and breakthroughs happen but there is a commotion that happened in Jerusalem that the Christians can no longer use the name of Jesus to pray or to preach. So whenever they do that, they'll be persecuted. So what happened? Fear began to creep into the church. Right? Intimidation begin to creep into the church. No chaos begin to creep into the church. So what happened in Acts chapter 4, this is what happened. They came together in a place of prayer. And when they heard what happened out there, when the authorities begin to clamp them down, says you can no longer preach or, or, or pray in that name. And when they heard that news, it becomes illegal. This is what they did. They've lifted up their voices to God together and said, Sovereign Lord who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything. They are recognizing the higher authority. And through the mouth of our father David, your servant said by the Holy Spirit, and now, there's a lot of verses, so I'm just skipping it to the next verse. And now the Lord look upon their threats and grant your servant to continue to speak your word with all boldness. While you stretch out your hands to heal and the signs and the wonders to perform through the same name of your holy servant, and when they have prayed, the place in which they gathered together was shaken. Man, how about that kind of prayer meeting? That when we pray, the whole place shake. My laptop drop. Painful. <laughs> and when they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continue to speak the word of God. You see, what happened in that prayer meeting? Nothing changed. Persecution is still happening. The name of Jesus is still not permitted to be preached. But this is what happened to them as they gathered to pray. What happened? They were filled with the Holy Spirit and bonus began to rise. Which means externally things are still remain unchanged. Persecution is not stopping. The legislation of preaching the name of Jesus is not being. I'm not. You cannot preach the name of Jesus It's not taken away. It's still there. But what is happening is that these guys were still. We're praying in that place where God actually shaped and transformed and impact their internal being to strengthen their inner man to continue to do what the Holy Spirit has assigned them to do, to preach the name of Jesus boldly. So sometimes we think, oh, everything about prayer is always to change the external. It's not true. In fact, I choose to believe some things God, I think Andre said it, some things God will not do it for you. He wants to do it through you. And sometimes when you begin to put yourself before God to allow Him to shape, to strengthen you and transform you from the inside, you actually become the answers to the prayer. You become the very solution and the answers to the prayer that people are looking that you are praying for. In fact, Ephesians chapter 3, there's a prayer, it's by the Apostle, I want, it's a good prayer to pray, if you have time, one of the things I hope that all of us can learn to do is to pray scriptures, the, the, one of the reasons why we don't pray, is we all know that prayer is important, but the only reason why we don't pray is because sometimes we don't know what to say, yeah. God, revival, God, you know, help me this, God, do this, and after a while, right, you're tired, you pray in tongues as much as you can, then also, tired, so after that, a while, your phone comes, your, your text comes, you know, your email come, and then you just, ah, never mind, let's not pray anymore, boring. But the one reason why I realized yeah, most young people don't pray to God—they know that prayer is important—but they don't, they don't. They, it's not because they don't, don't want to pray or they think that prayer is not important. But I think the challenge is this: they do not know what to say. Yeah. And one of the things that I have learned as a young believer, or rather as a Christian, for seventeen years, recently is to learn to pray scriptures. Because there are prayers in the Bible that the Apostle Paul made is for us to use to continue to pray for ourselves and for the church. And this is one of the prayers that Paul is talking about strengthening, not just the external impact, by strengthening your inner man, something that's within your faith, your, your spiritual muscle. So this is what he says. He says, for this reason, I bow my knees. He's praying for the church of Ephesus before the, the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, and according to the riches of His glory, all the resources in heaven, that he, that he may grant to you to strengthen with power through the Spirit in your... Do you know that you have an inner being that needs to work out? <laughs> that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love may have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, length, height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. That means it it goes beyond the logic. It's an internal knowing and being. That you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to Him who is able to do far more abundantly and above all that we ask according to the power at work within us. Paul was praying for the church of Ephesus who is going through warfare. And he says, you know what? In the midst of all this external chaos, I am praying for you that you may be strengthened in your inner man to stay rooted and grounded, immovable, unshakable, like a tree planted with a deep root system. And sometimes we'll pray, God, will you release, like, you know, God, will you just cause the persecution or whatever in those days to subside? And the way God answers may not necessarily take away the persecution, but the way He answers you is to strengthen your inner man, to build your faith, to give you courage and boldness. I remember I was in Kansas City. I was with this quite a well, I mean, maybe to some of us, quite a well-known author, impacted my brother's life. His name is Bob Soggy. I was in Kansas City, I was like, you know, full on, crazy, ready to go back to Singapore, running to change the world. So I went to his house trying to impress him. He says, Bob, uh, you know, I'm so ready to go back to Singapore, to change Singapore. Can you give me some advice? How can I transform Singapore? And then he looked at me, he cannot speak, right? So he, because he he kind of like had a broken vocal cord, he could not speak. All he does is he writes to communicate. And so he started writing. He looked at me with this very compassionate face. And he started writing to me, and then he said this, Jason, don't try to change and transform your world. Let the transformation that takes place inside of you bring transformation around you. He says, when you are transformed by the gospel, first, trust me, your life, the way you look at things, the way you say, the things that you say, the things that you do, is the transformation in you is going to bring change around you. Because the actions will change, the way you see things change. I remember the story of my dad and my mom. You know, when I was in Kansas City, I prayed for them every, every day for their salvation. And for six months, I prayed for them every 15 minutes. I mean, 15 minutes in the prayer room, I just prayed for them. I dedicate that time to pray for them. And I just keep praying scriptures over them. And not knowing that in the six months, I begin to look at them with a lens that is no longer mine. Yeah. So when I came back to Singapore, everything was still the same. They're still the same parents who have the same challenges but I came back different. I don't used to hug my dad. I don't used to tell him I love him on text and stuff like that. But when I walked back home, the first thing I did, I remember I hugged him. He gave me that look. What are you doing? <laughs> right, then, And I realized that because of the transformation that took place, because I've learned to stay in that place to pray, and though things may not change on the external, but something changed from in the internal, when I went back home, my actions began to change and it affected him and my family, and they got saved. So sometimes you are the answers to the prayer, and God wants to do a work in you to make you the answers. So sometimes when you pray, don't try to just keep looking for the external. Maybe you should just look in what God is doing inside of you, what He wants to do in you and through you. The third paradigm is called the eternal reality. You have to understand all this intertwine. Huh? So I'm not saying that, oh, this is, I'm doing the internal prayer now, I'm doing the external prayer. And whenever you pray, all these three basically intertwine, all right? Don't, like, you're just trying to separate it. I'm doing the internal prayer now, I'm doing the external. When you pray, these three things happen, okay? I just want to put it out there. Right? Okay? Don't like, oh, I'm not doing <laughs> it. A, it's a prayer to sustain. Eternal prayer, eternal reality. I want to read John chapter 17, learning from our Savior. If you, under, if you begin to look at John chapter 17, most of us like, look at it. You in me, I in you, you are one, one, I one, you perfect one until we are all one that you know. And it's like, oh, before the foundations of the world, you one, I one, were one, and make them one. I know this is like a very difficult passage sometimes to understand, but I want to give you a context, all right? This is the only time, the only time where you actually get to read about what Jesus is praying. In the entire gospel. Every time you read through the gospel, it's always that Jesus resided, went to the mountain and he prayed. Or Jesus go to the garden and he prayed. But nobody knows why he's praying. But this is the only time the sneaky Apostle John will just kind of like, you know, everything is okay, Paul. I want to know Jesus, right? Put the head in the bosom, you know? He's like, he always get away with things. So he'll just sneak, sneak, and he begin to go... <laughs> he went there and he began to record down what actually happened he actually recorded the prayers of Jesus before he died it's a, one of the most intimate and intense prayer the reason why you see so many of these conversations when he talk about before the foundations of the world is because this was a conversation that happened before the world began he actually spoke to the Father about some things in there that he wanted that happened before he created heavens and the earth. And the reason why he came and he basically, at coming to the end of his life, he's bringing back some of this conversation that he spoke to the Father before the world began. He says, Father, remember, this is what I'm asking for. I desire that those that you have given to me may be with me where I am to see my glory. For you have loved me before the foundations of the world. John 17, 24. I meditated a lot on that. And I was like, in that place, it's like, this is a prayer that started from eternity. It's a prayer that Jesus made before the world began to the Father. I mean, it's a long prayer. You want me to read? Or you can read yourself. You read yourself, right? (laughs) Okay, I'll read it. This is what he he said. This is why he prayed. I do not ask for this only, but also for those who will believe in me through their words. Which means this. Jesus is praying for the people that he's not going to see on the earth. It transcends time. It's not in immediate space externally. In fact, this is going to cut through for all eternity. You so he pray for all those who are going to be You'll hear from, the, from these people, and they may all be one just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may also be in us so that the world may believe that you sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one. I in them and you in me that you may become perfectly one. So that the world may know that you send me and love them even as you love me. Father, I desire that though, that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am. Do you know Jesus has a desire? I wonder how does the desire of God feels like? The one that is called all-consuming fire. That they may see my glory that you have given to me because you have loved me before the foundations of the world. O righteous Father, even though through the world, though the world does not know you, I know you. Which means that he knew him even before the world happens. And that they know that you have sent me. I make known your name and will continue to make it known. Which means that for the rest of eternity, this is the occupation of Jesus, to make God's name known. That the love which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. This, what John just saw, was... An insight to what, ha- what happens before the world began. He saw the Trinity communion in perfect union in a place. So he saw the conversation of the tree the Godhead. And what he was hearing is this. God does not, don't, he don't really need us, he wants us. And he wants he want to give us the same glory that he had before the foundations of the world. What did God have before the foundations of the world? It's their union, their relationship with one another. They are perfectly one. And what he's inviting us is this. He wants to bring us into that union that we can be found in the center of the communion. That we can actually fellowship with the conversations that they have from eternity past to eternity future. And I just want to say that there are prayers that people are making that does not go just beyond like the external, immediate now or internal. It goes beyond. Do you know one of the reasons why we exist today is because someone prayed? someone labelled in a place of prayer and we become the very answers. You know, there are, many, there are many times we're always like thinking, well, God, I want, I pray for this, but I'm not getting the answer. Perhaps the answer that, that He's going to give to you is not what you expect. Sometimes we pray expecting it to look a certain way, right? Yes. Do you, I mean, can I be honest? When we I mean, pray for something, we always have a picture or image of what it should be like based on our terms. But do you know this is not the way God works? Because God lives in eternity and He actually sees through the span of time, He will take some of your prayers and He will actually answer it in the future. Like Genesis, is like Abraham. That's what he did. God promised him that he's going to have descendants and he made prayers to God and then eventually God took his prayer. He blessed one son called Isaac. And then eventually that whole thing goes beyond just in his generation. It cuts through generations. So I just want you to know sometimes your prayer doesn't just affect the external reality. It doesn't just affect internal reality. It actually affects eternity. It will bring all the way into, even when this time and space pass, it will still bring into eternity where when we and God, we have history with Him. Some of this prayer that we have with God will remain forever the prayers that we make to God, like David's prayer to God, our vow to not have rest until you have a resting place, this is a prayer that is going to remain forever because, because he prayed that prayer. God responded to him. And he, in his generation, he did not see a house. He did, not see a, he did not build God a house, but his son is building him, God, a house, and the son is the son of David, Jesus. So I, mean, this, I think you get the idea, right? All right? So this is my first point. I mean, it took so long. So the first one is external prayer, right? We pray to win. The second one is an internal. That when we pray, it actually affects our internal man that strengthens us. The third one is when we pray, sometimes our prayer cuts through eternity. That you you are actually building history with God that will bring into the age to come. So I just want to encourage you, if you have these three paradigm, you will set you in a place where you will be able to sustain yourself in a place of prayer because you know it's not all about immediate answers prayer, but it actually cuts through many layers. Yes? Okay, second point. In order for us to sustain a culture of prayer, we need to understand the purpose of prayer. Why pray? Do you guys know why we pray? Most common answers when I ask a young person, they say this, I pray because I want prayers to be answered. It's true, partially. But I just want to say that the main purpose of prayer is more than just answered prayer. Answered prayer is a byproduct. The purpose of prayer is more than just an answered prayer, but to know the one that you are talking to. Answered prayer is one of God's ways to reveal His glory and display His greatness. Whenever you see answered prayer, to be really honest, God is just trying to show you who He is, who he is and what He's like. So when you pray, when God answers, great. But more than just taking the blessing and run away and thinking, oh, thank God for the answered prayer. But what he's trying to do is to also reveal himself to you in a way where you'll be astounded, that you'll be awed, that you'll be in the place of wonder. The goal of prayer is more than just answered prayer, but it's really to know the one whom you are talking to. I know my friend, Well, my friend in Kansas City always say, you know, the reason why prayer is boring is because we have yet to have the idea of who we are talking to. If you know who you are talking to, it won't be boring. If you know the one whom you are talking to is the one that creates the heavens and the earth, that put the stars in the galaxies, if you know that the one that you're praying to is great, he's the uncreated God, trust me, there's lots of things you can talk to him. (laughs) God, how do you make the stars? Have you seen a child pray? This is the kind of conversation that they pray and they'll always be in a place of wonder. And sometimes I think we need to bring wonder back to our place of prayer. Prayer is not a means to an end. I just want to say prayer in itself is a reason of our existence. You know, everything will pass away, but there's one thing we're going to do forever. Talk to God. If you read through the Bible, at the end of the age, the thing that you'll be doing is this. You'll stand before God and you'll be talking to Him, looking at Him, commune with Him for the rest of your life. You know, one day, spiritual warfare is going to be gone because the devil is going to be a lake of fire. Sickness is going to be totally obsolete. There's no need to pray for healing because it's all gone in the lake of fire. You know Your needs is going to be gone because when you have Jesus with you for the rest of your eternity, you don't have any more needs in life. Your street is paved of gold. Your house is made of like, precious stone. So you know what? All these things that you have today that you have been asking and requesting God now will one day be obsolete when He returns. But there's one thing that will remain forever. Your relationship, your communion and your intimacy with God, your knowledge of God, your encounters with Him, your moments with Him is going to last forever. And this is the thing that if you begin to have that in your mind, that you know that if prayer, the main purpose of prayer is to anchor in that place of knowing Him, trust me, you will be sustained. The reason why we, the reason why we stop praying for revival is because sometimes we always look at outcome and outcome doesn't come we lose heart, we get discouraged. But if you were to set your eyes on the one that you're talking to and ask him what he's feeling, trust me, you'll be fascinated and you'll be captivated by the person that you're talking to. So I just want to say that to all of us that you know what, when you come before God in a place of prayer, come in a place of seeking to know him. In the midst of asking him to see for the things that's happening around him, ask him, God, what are you, what do you want to reveal yourself to me, even in this place of prayer? Jesus calls his house a house of prayer I have a lot of things that I want to say, but I don't think I have enough time. I think we can do, it, uh, do this in uh, our trainings and eventually, but God called His house a house of prayer, which means this. The key, if I were to, okay, let's, sorry, i pull it back. John seventeen three, it says eternal life, right? You know what eternal life is? That they may know you and the only true God. That means this, when you are saved, this is what you are saved for, to know God. Yes? And so if you finish your task on the earth, all the assignment is gone. When you cross over to eternity, this is what you're going to do for the rest of your life, to know Him. And so if I could say the birthmark of a Christian and a a born-again believer, if I could say that the yardstick to measure that that these guys are born again and there's life in them, can I say that there's a sense of longing and connection that they want to have with God? When I look at Daryl, where's Daryl? When I spend some time with him, just talk, you know, the thing about him, when he just got saved, or rather, he's, we all know that he's pretty new, but you know what's the, You know what I, how I know that the sign of his salvation is real, that he's truly born again? Because when he comes, he will always come to me and says, Jason, can you teach me how to talk to God? Can you teach me this prayer thing? Because I really want to connect with the heart of God. The true mark of a born again believer that really born in, by the Spirit is one that really wants to connect back with the Creator, to know God. And I think as we become Christian for a long time, maybe we need to retrack again to just find back our roots. Why are we safe for? Because if you understand why you are safe for, everything will flow out from that place. Safe for to know Him and to make Him known. All right, the last point. And this is what I'm going to close with. And I'm going to just ask, call for a time of prayer. The last point is this. In order for us to sustain the culture of prayer, in the church or in the city, we need to understand the power of prayer. Can you go to the last slide? We all know this man by the name of Elijah. But one thing about this man is that we always think he's a super saint, super scion. You know, he, do, he can call down fire. He like, does stuff that no one can do. But this one verse begins to anchor the church. In the, day, in the days of James, he's saying this. He says, is there among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let him pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of the faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up and, he is com- and if he has committed sin, he will be forgiven. And therefore, confess your sin to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature just like you and me. He's not Super Saiyan after all. He's not a superman, neither is he a Batman or Thor. But he is a man just like us, just like you and I. That he prayed fervently that it did not rain, it might not rain. For three and a half years, it did not rain on the earth. And he prayed again, heaven gave rain and the earth bore fruits. You have, I just want to close with this, all right? You know, you, if this is true, if this is true, if the church were to once again come back to this place where beyond just the things that we do on Sunday, but we begin to make this our priority as a community, to pray, trust me, the transformation on the earth will change. Do you know that the, some of the greatest empire on the earth that, that lives on the earth was brought down by men of prayer? Yeah. Think about Babylon. Babylon was brought down by one praying, or rather four praying people. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Four men stayed in that place. They prayed. One of the greatest empires fell. Moses, a man of prayer, stood before God on the mountain, challenged Pharaoh. He made his prayer. One of the greatest empire. Egypt fell. Elijah, challenged one of the most evil king in those days with Jezebel controlling and ruling, but he stood as one man in front of 400 people and he prayed, rain begins to cease and the entire nation was in in turmoil until they repent. And when he came back again, when he had to hear the sound of the voice of God, he prayed seven, he has to pray seven times. As much as this Elijah called down fire, he has to pray seven times to gather a, a cloud size of a man's feast. Perhaps, guys, if we really want to see transformation and change and soul safe, and you know, people, the society being transformed for better and all, perhaps one of the main key that we need to reestablish back in the church again is prayer. One of the pastors that I know in Times Square, I can't remember his full name, but it's not David Wilkerson, his successor. He says, if we want to know the strength of the church, just go to their prayer meetings you want to know how alive the church is, just go to their prayer meetings. And whoever is there, you know that's the strength of the church. And another person that I recently read, this is so funny, he said, if you, want to, if you want to see how popular the preacher is, go to the Sunday service. If you want to see how popular the pastor is, just go to the Sunday service. But if you want to see how popular Jesus is, go to the prayer meeting. And have you ever wondered why? Or rather, have you ever imagined why in every emphasis that God gave, his his house house of prayer, he says, I teach them how to pray. In all the things that they do, the emphasis of Jesus and God is always to make sure that the authors of prayer is put on fire. Perhaps the church have to come back to their roots. If in the day of Pentecost, 120 men can turn the city upside down because of a prayer meeting that releases a big force of impact on the earth that transformed 2,000 years of church history. Maybe we should reconsider the way we do church today beyond just running activities. It's not so bad. It's good to have act- We need activities to facilitate some of these things. But we'll make prayer meeting our engine to fuel and to run the church. And, my, and all this while for five years of my life in coming back to Singapore to plant the House of Prayer, it's not so that I can build Burning House to make it an amazing prayer ministry. I think the reason why we are here is because we are here trying to shape the culture of prayer in Singapore so that we can once again see Singapore step into a destiny to be the Antioch to trust for one of the largest mission force that will bring the gospel to the hardest and darkest places. People who will not just look at external impact, but they will understand the bonus and internal impact that is in their life to, 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 to gather courage and also to know that even if they lose their life in the midst of the gospel, in the midst of the gospel, they know that it is counted because it goes to eternity. If we can begin to let prayer and wrap the church again, to make it something that forms us and to strengthen us and to release the power of God on the earth today, I think we will see a church that cannot be stopped. So I just want to encourage all of us here, as a corporate community, can we value prayer? Can we make God's house a house of prayer? For nations, for people groups, for people who are in crisis, for the brothers and sisters who are in it. Can we create a culture of prayer in this church that truly whatever happens in the city will happen in the city? That Church of Singapore will become a place of prayer and that it will release the largest mission force that will bring back the king. Because this is what he says, the gospel of this kingdom must go to the ends of the earth. But before that happened, there will always be a prayer meeting that precedes it. And my prayer that the prayer meeting will become the main event of the church more than anything else.